Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting worldwide on Internet Radio. Refreshing takes on legal strategies. Straightforward answers to difficult tax questions. Independent ideas on building wealth. It's the Refresher Wealth Show with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen. Get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at refreshyourwealth.com. Now, here's Mark and Matt. Welcome, everybody, to today's show, the Open Forum Show. We do this uh, every three weeks live. If you listen to podcasts that are crisp and clear and clean and you're like, man, what are these guys doing calling from a kitchen or a room or, you know, outside a freeway? It's live. This is what it is. It's Block Talk Radio. So my name is Mark Kohler. It's your co-host with Matt Sorensen on the line. That's right. This is This is raw. Uh, the director's cut version, unedited, unfiltered. Uh, you know, it's uh, but it's the real deal. So, uh, but I have to say, this is the best show. We get the most feedback on open forum show. Everybody loves it. We get lots of questions, um, and this is the show that you guys get to decide what we talk about. So, if you don't like what we're talking about, then send in a question for the next open forum show. We'll talk about what you want, um, and you can send in questions. To Matt M E or Mark M A R K, we're both at KQSLawyers.com. Um, we're both lawyers. Mark's also a little more nerdy because he's a CPA as well. Authors. I run the CEO of self-directed retirement plan company, directed IRA. Um, I mean, you can see Mark on uh, TV. Uh, he's got some great YouTube <laughs> content out there right now. I have to say, I'm a. I've been digging into Mark's YouTube channel lately, but. Uh, I don't know. We're out there. We're in the trenches advising clients on a daily basis, trying to live the American dream and as business owners ourselves, too. Yeah. Well, I love it. Matt, thank you for that compliment. Uh, remember, TV puts on 10 pounds. And so uh, <laughs> I was on Fox and they've never had me back. I don't know why, but NBC, CNBC, you know, all the WGN of Chicago, I'm out there. So anyway, uh, this is fun. This is where the pressure is. So we've got a bunch of a uh, a bunch of email questions that have already come in for today. And like Matt said, you can email us uh, at any time, and we'll get those in the queue. We also are taking live callers. So if any of you would like to uh, give us a call, the number is six four six 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 eight eight three two six. That's six four six 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 eight. 8326. Now, if you're listening from your computer uh, and you dial in, make sure you mute your computer and just listen on your phone. There might be a two or three second delay. That way we can get you out uh, when you come online. Press the number one if you're in the queue and we'll come over and get your name and what state you're from or city and uh, first names is sufficient, but we love the cosmopolitan approach here of having calls from all over the country, sometimes world. We've had mm-hmm. some military folks uh, deployed abroad calling in, and we're, we're grateful for that. So, mm-hmm. okay, no matter And if you want to give a uh, yeah, if yeah. you want to give a code name or pseudonym because your question might be a little, you know, attorney-client privileged-ish, 
of course, this is not attorney-client privilege, but you know what I mean. That's that, that is acceptable. Yeah. You do not need to give your real yeah. name. <laughs> I was hoping we might get a little more uh, inter- We might get a little more interesting questions if we throw that out there. Who knows? Yeah. Use your alias. Um, Everybody should have an alias. Um, yeah. I don't know what okay. mine would be. Okay. But maybe maybe Peter Lemoncello. Okay. Peter Lemoncello. Ted Nugent. Anything from Fletch is you know, uh, what kind of name is Poon anyway? So I'm gonna. <laughs> Maybe use anything from Fletch. Okay, now we have a uh, we have to announce the winners of our survey just right off the bat. Yes, we are shallow and dumb, just trying to keep this fun. So we're going to be voting soon on the best the best legal movie of all time. The best and there it's we're just going to come up with the top ten because there's just mm. so many good ones out there. Uh, but mm-hmm. I thought we'd start with the most handsome male actor to play a lawyer in a feature-length film, and we've got a takeaway, just runaway leader of that, and we also have the most beautiful female lawyer on a, on a or, or actress to play a lawyer in a feature-length film. So, Matt, okay, I know okay. you didn't vote for him, but I think you know who the winner is on the guy side. Yeah. You want to throw it out? Well, let me Maybe. ask, were the, uh, the votes tabulated by the accounting firm and verified by the accounting firm of Colorner, K&E CPAs? That's right, verified. <laughs> and uh, we've had them officially audited. And uh, Okay. And you can trust legit. This, this, this survey. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, we, all right, all right. I think okay. it's going to be Matthew McConaughey. I don't know. It is. Drumroll, please. It is number one, Matthew McConaughey, who could have been Lincoln Lawyer, A Time to Kill, Bernie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's played lawyer like three or four – probably I should have come up with all the times he's played lawyer, but he's just such a good-looking guy. I have a man crush on him, so he's just a stud. Uh, Second place, Tom Cruise and Mm -hmm. in The Firm and A Few Good Men, and then Denzel Washington. Third in Ooh, yeah. Philadelphia. Philadelphia, or so, yeah. yeah. So cool. Those are our top. All three. right. Yeah. I like that. Now okay. the women. Yeah, we get a we got a tie for second place on the female lawyer. Okay, but a, con- but a convincing you, winner for first. Yeah, you guess who do you think the winner was for first place? <sighs> Run away. I have. To, I would go with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. I know that's not who you voted for. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, but, but that's you're who right. I I want for Demi Moore. Okay. Yes. Well, so Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde too. Remember, she was only a law student in Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. Oh, and uh, important distinction. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, we got to make those distinctions, and uh, so we've had other people vote. Uh, for Marissa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny, but that's that doesn't matter. No, honorable mention, maybe. Only, yeah. Honorable mention. She's the expert now, witness. Now, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, she's the expert witness. Yeah. We should have had Marissa Tomei out there for Lincoln Lawyer, but she just, I don't know, oh, she yeah. just didn't get the votes, and she was so, so beautiful there. But our, <laughs> we had our tie for second place is uh, Moore. Uh, hey, let me, just, let me just interject here. If you're, this is the first time listening to the show. We got some great, like, real technical tax and legal stuff coming, so just hang in there. And for the for the nerds, the geeky, nerdy people out there that are like, ugh, I want to know about how to write off, 
my Roth 401k contributions. Um, that's my next question coming up. I'm going to hit that, and we got plenty of other geeky <laughs> okay. stuff, you okay. know, for you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, we we got good stuff, but we're <laughs> fluffy stuff, and we're almost done. So tied for second place, which was who I voted for, was Rosamund Pike in Jack Reacher. She was the DA. Yeah. Uh, well, and you were lobbying for her. She's, She's not as well known. Yeah. 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 So. And okay. third place was Sandra Bullock in two weeks. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So anyway, that was our that was us just kind of for two weeks' notice, by the way, Sandra Bullock. Mm. Um, that was our yeah. voting. So we tried to get Reese Witherspoon and Matthew McConaughey to come on the show and accept their award, but they were a little busy. Um, yeah. So that's okay. Well, we love them anyway. We sent them – so. We sent them their award, so I'm sure it'll go right next to their Oscars and whatever other stuff they got. Yeah, Academy Awards. That's right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so the refresher, well, best looking actor or actress. There, that's going to be on their fireplace mantle for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for all of you that participated and played along with the voting. We will be opening now the vote for the best legal movie of all time, and. Uh, so and where can you vote? There's going to be lots of votes there. At refreshyourwealth.com. Refreshyourwealth.com. Refresh your we'll put it out there on social media. We'll have it, a links on our newsletter for the next couple weeks. So make sure you sign up for. Many of you are already followers of our newsletter, but it's free every week, and it's got a lot of helpful tips, deadlines, uh, YouTube videos, blog articles. So please get over there. Open the newsletter every week just to see what's available, and then. Put it in your folder mm-hmm. to keep it there, but don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. There are important deadlines mm-hmm. every week. You've got to know about. Okay, yep. so Matt, let's get into the meat of the show. We're gonna. We've got some callers already in the queue. I will get over and cool. see who they are and what they want to talk about. But you've got a question ordering the email that you're gonna kind of break this wide open with. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do okay. it. This is, is a question in from Joshua. Says, uh, hi guys, love the show. Of course, thank you. Uh, it says, my wife owns a small business with no employees. If we open a Roth solo 401k for her, her contributions and the contributions she receives from the business will be taxable, correct? Will these contributions be deductible by the business? This is his question. Um, okay, great question as to the Roth solo 401k. So you can have a solo 401k for everyone out there, it's, and this is basically like a 401 401k for one person or maybe one person and their spouse. So if you have a business with no employees, like Josh was asking here, you can set up your own 401k just for yourself. You can throw over 50 grand a year in it. You can self-direct it. It's a great retirement account for people self-employed with no employees called Solo 401k. We set them up, happen to set them up at KQS Lawyers. <laughs> so the question though was about a Roth component to it. So many people know if you've had a 401k, you know it you know, the Fortune 500 company or Dunder Mifflin, wherever you're at, you know, your company had a 401k, you put in some money, and maybe you're getting a tax deduction for it, and your company throws in a match on it too. Well, when you own your own business and you're contributing to a 401k, your employee and your employer. So you're putting in money as employee dollars, and the company, your own company, it's coming out of your company pocket, is going to put in a match. So as employee, you can say whether you want your contribution to be Roth 401k dollars, which you don't get a deduction for, 
but it grows and comes out tax-free, which is the benefit of Roth. But you don't get a deduction for it as the employee when you put Roth money in. The company is going to put money in, too, for the match, what some people call the match or the employer contribution, but that's going to come out of the company's pocket. And what's going to happen on the match is that must be traditional dollars. The match cannot be Roth. So if there's a match going in, that's going to come in as traditional dollars, and that is deductible and will be on the company's tax return as an employee benefit retirement plan contribution. It will be an expense. Now, you can convert that traditional contribution to Roth later, but the mechanics to answer your question, Josh, is if you're doing Roth solo 401k and there's an employee contribution of Roth dollars and then the company does a match also, the match will be traditional dollars and you'll have to have a traditional account and a Roth account so you're tracking these separate and the company will expense and you will get a deduction on the match from the company uh, contribution, but the employee contribution that's Roth will not be deductible um, and now let me say if it was traditional if you decided no, oh, I want to do traditional solo 401k that would be deductible and that would be on the W-2 um, or on Schedule C if it's a, if you're a sole prop so that's the mechanics so, of it you, I love that question I can geek out on that for you know another 30 minutes probably yeah I mean do you want to, anything else you want to say for crying out loud it wasn't that long <laughs> a question Jeez. well I fell by the hour so you know I wanted to give a comprehensive answer and gosh, it was a great question. It deserved a great no, answer. Definitely comprehensive. Okay. I <laughs> just add this. The cool thing about a solo 401k is you one year can do Roth, next year do traditional, one year do a match, one year don't do a match. So it gives you lots of flexibility. Done. Mm-hmm. See, wasn't that easy? That was an easy answer. Just quick to the point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. No, I'm just joking. All he right. didn't ask what's cool. He didn't ask what's cool. <laughs> That's right. He asked for the, the meat, so that was good. That's that. right. Okay, so we've got um, a caller on the line, Alan from Utah. I also have an email question from Alan, and, and this is a, one from a few uh, shows ago, and it may be the same Alan. I'm not sure. We'll see. But, Alan, welcome to the show. Mark and Matt here. What can we do for you? Yes, thank you, thank you for having me. I, have a, I did a checkbook-controlled uh, IRA with you guys, LLC. Which kind of goes to this question here. I was filling the W-9s out a different way, but then I read this article by this wonderful guy that uh, says how to properly fill out a W-9 for your SIDRA. Mm. Okay. (laughs) I I heard about it. It was a good one. (laughs) Anyway, I I followed the instructions and did it. You know, the self-directed IRA is the, the name, and the business name was the LLC. And that mm-hmm. worked out great. The IRS, I assume, is going to be happy in the future. But I, I ran into some problems with both – I was doing tax liens, and the, the county treasurer only wanted to use the name, not the business name, uh, on the checks. And the bank uh, says that it has to be in the LLC name, not the SIDRA, in order to cash the checks. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering uh, – what do I do? Because the only way that I can see to solve it right now is to go back to the old way of doing W-9s, of just putting the uh, checkbook, the IRA, LLC, on both lines and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, let me say this. I'm gonna let this Matt, is a 
Matt, can I interject something real quick first? I know you're going to answer, and Matt's got the best answer on this. I already know. But I want to step back because some people listening are going, what the freak is a W-9? So let me say that first oh, yes. just briefly. <laughs> a lot of people may be listening going, what is going on? Okay, so a W-9 is a tax form that lets the person giving you money know in writing, signed by you, is what is the tax ID number or – and, or social security number, and what's the company name or the individual name that's going to be receiving this check. And whether it's a title company or a, con, a, a company of any sort that is going to be giving you money as a subcontractor or as an investor in something, or like Alan here is doing tax liens, the title company or a bank is going to say, we want a W-9. We want to know who the freak you are. And so what Alan's trying to do is say, well, I'm an LLC. Here's my LLC name, and here's my LLC tax ID number. Thank you very much. Um, give me a check. I want my money. But getting people to follow that W-9 can sometimes be difficult. And since Alan has a IRA LLC, this blows the brain of bankers and some people, and so he, Alan's running into some issues. Is that a fair summary, yes. Alan? Yes, that's a fair okay, summary. Matt, the, what did he do? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let me Any say, more questions a, for me? Just to go ahead and ask. <laughs> uh, let me say yeah. it too. Let me just broaden the question. Because okay. this is a question regardless of whether you have an IRA that owns an LLC 100% or it's you personally that owns an LLC 100%. It's the same issue and it's the same instruction and guideline that how the IRS wants you to do it. So what you're supposed to do is the 100% owner of the LLC on the W-9 is supposed to list their name and their tax identification number. So if it was you personally when you fill out a W-9, um, you technically don't put the LLC's EIN on there when you own the, the LLC 100% because it's single-member LLC. You put on your social in your personal situation as the tax identification on the W-9, only in 100% owned when you own an LLC 100%. Now, if it's your IRA that owns an LLC 100%, then you're supposed to put the your IRA as 100% owner and, and identify that on the W-9 and put the IRA's tax ID, which your IRA custodian will provide you. We do that at Directed IRA for our clients. Now, um, the problem here is government agencies not on the same page and the place sending you payments from the tax lien um frankly kind of uh being um lazy i don't know maybe it's probably the right word uh because they want to keep their records nice and easy and just match up the the ira and the tax id rather than pay the llc that owns it that's actually on the w-9 as the business and how anybody would have a business that owns the llc they want a payment to go to the llc right um so uh, that's really a really the county or whoever's paying on the tax lien side uh, being lazy more than anything. So now I will say this: if it's a practical issue of they're going to keep paying it that way unless you change the W-9 and just list the LLC's tax ID, then just do that. I don't think it's a big issue. Um, the if you have an EIN for the LLC, when we set it up, we would have identified that it's owned by an IRA. So in the end, the IRS is going to get it. It's technically wrong from for the IRS's perspective on the instructions on the W-9, but it's kind of like no harm, no foul thing. Um, so if it's causing you problems from the tax lien and how they're paying, I just use the LLC's tax ID then. Okay. Now let me say this, and Matt, you tell me if you agree. 
because Alan's question is a good one. And, and, and some people listening again to this show are probably going, oh, my gosh, this is way too technical. What is just the simple approach I should take? If I had to distill it down into just a couple sentences, let me say this, and Matt, you tell me if you agree. Okay, mm-hmm. so here's the rule for everybody out there. If you are investing and you have a 100% owned LLC by yourself and you're going out and buying things or providing services, it's not going to matter whether they take the W-9 with the tax ID number for the LLC or the social security number. Do whatever makes them freaking happy because you want to be simple, low on paperwork, and not get confused or frustrated. So again, here's the general rule. If you own an LLC 100% and you're going out and just doing deals, mm-hmm. you could, I don't care if they use the social or EIN. The nice thing would be to use the EIN. That would be the most clean, but if they won't go for it, it doesn't matter. If you have an yeah. LLC taxed as an S-corp, if you have an S-corporation, you need to put your foot down and make sure that any payments go through the S-corp tax ID number. Because that's what we're trying to do is save taxes, pushing the money through the S-Corp in the first place. And then the third rule would be if you have an IRA-owned LLC, again, you want to try to use either the tax ID number for the IRA or the tax ID number for the LLC because you don't want money going to you individually. It's not your money. It's the IRA's money. So I would say you want to push back a little bit and do your best to get it in the EIN for the IRA LLC or the IRA tax ID number that you're given to by the custodian. Mm-hmm. That's my simple rule. What do you think, Matt? Three rules to live by. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, yeah, this is where it is a little technical and why there's some confusion because people will apply the general rule like that. And that's why I stood for Alan, kind of no harm, no foul. All right, just go use the LLCs tax ID then that the EIN you got for the LLC, which we get when we set up an LLC that's 100% owned, whether it's you personally or your IRA that owns it, we're going to get you a tax ID for your LLC. And you can go use that. And that's easy, you know. but sometimes you're going to run into places that are going to say, oh, that's not right. This is 100% owned LLC. Or if you're filling out the W-9 and you're actually reading the instructions, it's going to say, no, 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 don't put the tax ID you have for the LLC if it's 100% owned. We want the underlying owner's tax ID in which case you would put your social, or for an IRA, you would put the IRA custodian's tax ID. So it's a little technical in the 100% owned, but the practical issues of what you're saying, Mark, I agree with in that, you know, just go use the LLC's tax ID. If you get pushback and they say, we want the underlying owners, then give the underlying owner. If you own it personally, give them your social. If it's your IRA, give them your IRA custodian's uh, tax ID and identify your IRA account. So... Um, that's just a little nuance I'd add to that. Okay. Well, Alan, thank you for the question. I muted you at one point because there was a little feedback, and uh, we're going to move on because we've got a, so many questions and so, a lot of listeners was on the line as well. I'm going to go to this question I got online from Alan, and another Alan, it's, I don't think it's the same one, <laughs> um, who asked a question, and this is really uh, a good one. We're outside of the IRA topic for a minute. He said, I currently have a W-2 of around 530 grand. <laughs> Congratulations, Alan. Many of us would be very pleased for that. I'm sure you, we presume you work very hard for that. Our taxes are out of control. No surprise there. We have th- five, he says, I have 
uh, five rentals. And then he says, is there a structural way to do something to offset income and save taxes? That's Alan's question. Now, I'm a little confused because at one point he says, our taxes are out of control. Then he says, I have five rentals. So if I was on a consultation with Alan, I would drill down on the first thing I'm going to ask, are you married? Who's this our? Oh, you are. Who is this? Are you married? Are you single? Because he's going to have more options if he's married. So I'm going to hope he's married, and I would say, Alan, you don't have five rentals. Your spouse has five rentals. And we are going to go down this path of making Alan's spouse a real estate professional. That's going to be one of our first strategies out of the gate. It, this is a topic in um, almost all of my books, and you could even YouTube Kohler Real Estate Professional. There's a couple of videos out there, people. You want to understand, is this something that could work for me and my relationship? Now, if you have a married couple that are both W-2 owners or, or W-2 taxpayers, owning rentals is great, and you're going to def you know, create tax-free income and some tax-deferred strategies that will pay off down the road, but it's not going to help Alan's current tax return. Alan, to be honest, and for everybody listening out there, trying to save income taxes on a W-2 wage earner is so hard. I mean, it's like almost trying to cure cancer. I mean, it's really a challenge. There's a few things we might be able to do, little things like maybe a, a, a solar tax credit because you put some good things in your house that save energy. Um, maybe there's that small business on the side and but you can't just have losses every year in a small business on the side to save taxes on a big W-2. Um, we're going to try to build deferred tax benefits by using Roths, 401Ks, IRAs, rental real estate, and building benefits for the long run, Alan. If you've got a long-term vision of saving taxes, you're going to be a lot more happy and satisfied that you're doing something proactive. But to ask your accountant to save taxes on a W-2 like that is almost going to be impossible. Um, but there are things to do for the long run that I think are phenomenal. Matt, anything you'd add to that one? No, yeah, I love the real estate professional idea. That could be the that could be the the magic right there that could help. We don't know the situation, but that could be the the right path to look at immediately. I yeah. Like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Do you have an email question you want to go in there? I do, yeah. So this was from uh, Eric. Says uh, actually caught, went to both of us, but did direct it and said, "Hello, Mark. You rock." Um, he did copy me in. Um, I just want to say thank you, Eric. <laughs> All right. So um, just remember, Eric, who actually got to your question on the show today. Um, so Eric says, uh, <laughs> "My question says." Why be out there with your business name? For example, business cards, letterhead, website. I thought the whole point was to have a corporate veil or an LLC veil. And he says, I know you hate to see corporate guru talk, but one idea I had was set up a corporation and do different DBAs under that, kind of like an umbrella, and make those have the kind of what-do-you-do name. So, for example, he gives out Victoria Cleaning Company. So he'd have a corporation that would have some generic name, but use Victoria Cleaning Company as a DBA. Is that a good idea? Um, and he has questions about just can an LLC have a DBA as a, as a follow-up question. Um, all right. I'll just take a shot at this, Mark. I know you'll definitely have some comments. He did, yeah. well, Let me say this. He did write it to Mark. Why don't you go first? If you want, okay. well, you can defer. I'm, I'm okay either way. I appreciate that. Okay, cool. I like it. Um, 
Okay, this is actually an easy answer for everybody out there in, in big picture terms. When someone calls up and says, I want privacy, that's really what Eric's talking about. Why have your business name out there? Business cards, letterhead, don't I want – and he said, I thought the whole point was to have a corporate veil, and I know you hate the C-Corp stuff. That has nothing to do with the C-Corp thing. Okay, let's take a step back, Eric, and everybody listening here. When you're marketing your business – the corporate veil protects you, whether your business name is out there or not. Does Microsoft get the same protection, even though they have Microsoft commercials? Sure. Now, this is a privacy question, not a corporate veil asset protection question. See, and another analogy I use is think of a bulletproof vest versus camouflage. Now, in some instances, you want both of them. Maybe one is even more important than the other. Maybe you're in a jungle and, a, and camouflage is more important. Maybe you're in the desert and a bulletproof vest is more important. I don't know. But remember, there are two different things. That's point number one. Next, when I market my business, I want my name out there. Get it out there. Mark J. Kohler PC Inc. It's out there. KKOS Lawyers, Directed IRA. It's out there. I'm not trying to hide. I want to publicize my business name. Oh, but where do I want privacy? I don't want you to know the LLC that owns my apartment building down the street. I don't want the tenants of that apartment building to know where I live. I want my assets hidden with camouflage and protection. But with my day-to-day -day business, I want it out there. DBAs, URLs, company name, I don't care. In fact, I do care that it's out there. I want it out there. So, Eric, I think you need to step back and go, when do I want privacy and when do I don't? When do I not need privacy? And realize that when you meet with us, we're going to choose those businesses and those assets that certainly need to be private, but other businesses that you don't want private. So, and, and asset protection mm -hmm. is really different. Yeah, and just keep in mind that corporate veil, which you get in a corporation or an LLC, is something that says if they, you know, someone sues the company, they are stuck at the company level. If there's a liability at Microsoft, you know, they have to sue Microsoft. They can't sue Bill Gates personally. They have to sue Microsoft. Or if it's MSFT Holdings LLC that owns a rental property, they have to sue MSFT Holdings LLC. And so that corporate veil is the same in Microsoft Corporation versus MSFT LLC that owns real estate. The plaintiff has to sue the company, and they can't get down to the underlying owner. That's the corporate veil. That's one of the great benefits of having a corporation or LLC is that corporate veil, which you'll get either way. And yes, uh, Eric, uh, LLC can have a DBA, but the DBA is not yes. typically done for privacy, as you're thinking. It's more kind of done for marketing purposes and branding um, than it is for any asset protection or uh, privacy. I like it. Okay, Matt, we've got another caller. I'm going to jump over and get their name and where they're from while you field a question from your email, if you don't mind. All right, sounds good. All right, we have, let's see here. Let me pick a good one. All right. This is a question from Ryan. Um, it says, hey, Mark, I'm out. I never thought I'd get addicted to tax and legal podcast, but you guys reeled me in. I was listening in a car trip with my wife with headphones and just started dying laughing. Um, I was totally crying. 
Uh, something about Chippendale, I don't know, but it was funny. I, I agree, Ryan. It, it was That was funny. Um, all right, so he's got a question. I've been inspired to pursue my own, a business of my own. I'm considering buying a profitable small business. What t- advice or tips do you have to give an investor purchasing a standalone operating business? When, how should I get CPA lawyers involved? Are there issues to signing NDAs to learn more about the business I'm reviewing? Can I buy a business with a self-directed IRA and actively manage it, or must I be a passive business owner? Um, thanks for all you do. Matt, by the way, he did give him Matt. Thanks for all you do, Matt, to do for investors. He did not include Mark. Uh, I'm so grateful I found your podcast. All right. Just um, because you did that, Ryan, at the end, I had to give your question. I had to get to your question today. This is a big topic. Great, great question, too. So, all right, let's hit the first part of it. Um, I'm considering buying a profitable small business. What tips do you have to investor looking to purchase a standalone operating business? Um, all right, the first thing, I mean, let's think just business, and then let's think legal. First, think of something you like doing, obviously. What do you know? What do you have experience in already? Let's think of what, where you can add value to maybe an existing business, really. Um, or maybe it's a growing field or just something you're interested in. But that could be one way to kind of narrow the types of businesses you're going to look at. But once you have the business from a lawyer standpoint, um, the really a couple of thoughts I have. I'm going to give kind of – I'll give three tips because I could go on forever. I'm going to limit it to three. The first is when you're looking at the business, you do want to get a full deep dive into the financials, and you want their tax returns, okay? I don't want just some pieces of paper, the financial statements of profit and loss. Um, I want to see the actual tax returns for that company because I want to know what you're telling the IRS. And maybe you're, you know, they're expensing a lot of things that, you know, there are benefits to the business owner, and that's affecting the, the tax return, and they're lowering their taxes. That's smart on their part. But, you know, you want to know that. So you want to look at the financials and get the tax returns. The second thing I would do is in your purchase of the business, I would negotiate some form of seller financing. And this is a really important tip because when you go in and buy a business, you want that seller of the business to be actively engaged and interested in you succeeding and taking it over. What's one way to guarantee that they're interested in you succeeding and taking it over? Don't pay them everything all up front, right? <laughs> Maybe give them some money up front mm-hmm. or a big chunk, but have them finance the balance of it um, so that you're, you're paying them off um, over a period of time. And by having some seller finance, that keeps them actively engaged to know, hey, I've got to be staying involved, helping transition it. I want to make sure they're successful so they actually pay me the balance back of the business. That's just a, a structuring and terms uh, issue. Uh, Mark, anything you want to add? Nope. On, I like on it. I like business? it. Okay. I'll say on the self-directed nope, IRA question. Okay, I'd say on the uh, self-directed IRA question, yes, you could use a self-directed IRA to purchase a business, an operating business, um, but you could not manage it. Um, but we have had many clients do that. There is a strategy if you want to actively manage and be involved in the business called a ROBS, a rollover on business startup. It's very complicated. It's an option. Nine out of ten clients that talk out of it, but that is an option. Um, and on your NDA question, last one, sorry, you have a few questions in here. Uh, as to NDA, yes, you may sign an NDA, and that's cool, signing an NDA that's a non-disclosure. Just make sure that the NDA is really just about receiving information and disclosing 
make sure it's not about you not being able to start a business in that industry or they're not trying to overreach, um, just that it's limited to information and you won't disclose their information. Okay. Well, all right. Well, Matt, I like this. We've got a couple live callers, and um, let's jump over here to Stacy. This um, – um, oh, man, I just already blew it. I was going to use a okay. alias. I'm so frustrated. <laughs> I even look up the most po- – okay, okay. I was going to tell you what state Stacy is from, but I won't do that. We'll do that. So this is Stacy from New Hampshire. How about that? Do you like New Hampshire? Can that work? I can do. I can work with New Hampshire. Like their taxes, we can work with that. <laughs> She's like, I feel embarrassed about my question. I don't want to know where people are. You know where I'm from. So I was. I looked up the most popular names in her state, and I was going to use one. And then, oh, the rest of the show today is so stressful. Okay. It's okay. All right, Stacey. I've got your email here. I could. I can simplify your question real quick, but we'd love to hear your voice too because we love that. New Hampshire accent. So why don't you just you know throw it out there? Uh. <laughs> okay. So basically, um, I'll try to nutshell it too. So um, I started at S Corp through um, set up as a corporation. So not an LLC that was elected. It's the S S election um, mm-hmm. based on a coach who said you know you should start it and then you'll be motivated to make the money to meet that which is backwards right now I know that. Um, so my first year of business, I made about what $17,900. So I feel like I'm in a bind now, you know, because it should have not been taxed as an S Corp. And I filed an extension. Um, yeah, but that's coming up. The deadline's coming up. So I am, I'm like, I'm sad. Oh, well, don't, don't, yeah, don't feel bad. Um, I thought you did a great job with that New Hampshire accent, too. That was very, <laughs> very good. Okay. All right. So I'm going to summarize this question in another way for a lot of people, too, that might be listening. You're out there. You might have a coach that, you know, maybe isn't the bad, worst idea. They said to Stacy, hey, set up your corp. It's going to motivate you to hit it hard. Just go for it. Get the entity set up. Start building corporate credit. Start doing it. And even if you don't make a lot of money, at least your entity is done. And, and there is a little validity to that motivating argument. I'm okay with that. Um, luckily, Stacy set up the entity in her right state, and she got out there and made 17000 in revenue in the first year. That's not bad. That's not some change. We've seen a lot, okay. lot worse. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so Stacy gets out there, sets up her corp, and gets going, but doesn't make enough profit or any profit she's got a lot of expenses and now she's feeling regret oh i shouldn't have set up this s corp blah 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 blah. well hold hold the phone i think you're okay here's a couple important points you only have to do the quarterly payroll reports if you're making a profit and taking out money since your first year was startup and you didn't have any major profit to speak of you weren't required to do quarterly reports or payments so dodged a bullet there no big deal no problems you're not going to get audited the IRS is not going to care number two you still need to file your S corp return even though it shows a loss the deadline is September 15th you want to be not Johnny on the spot Stacy on the spot and make sure you file that return get it filed by September 15th and it should be a simpler return there's not a lot of 
revenue and there's, you know, you got your expenses, but you should maybe even have a loss. And number three, the escort. There's the good news, Stacy. S-Corps are audited 15 times less frequently than a Schedule C. Your, oh. So your audit risk is very, very low with this. And in the first year with a loss, that's a good thing. So you can file this return at a loss. Think of every expense you've got last year. You had 17000 in income. I love it. And if you generate a loss, it's going to help offset your other income from a day job or any other income, and you probably will be getting a refund. So I'm really, really happy about that, and your chance of an audit is very, very low. Where someone else that may have just done a 100% owned LLC or sole prop, their audit risk would be a lot higher. So that's the good news. That's the silver lining. I would give it – you're already halfway through 2020, I mean 2019. I would wait to see what happens this year. If you're going to dissolve it, you want to wait till December to dissolve it. I'd finish the year out, keep giving it a good old college try, don't give up. And then reevaluate in December. But if you are going to dissolve it, dissolve it in December. Finish out the year strong, see what happens, and then decide if you're going to keep it for 2020. There you go. That's what I do. I don't know if that helps. Any follow-up questions? You feeling it? Thank you. First of all, it's like a sigh of relief because I'm like, oh, I did a terrible job because I love listening to you guys' show. And I know about the 30000 or more you guys said in profit. <laughs> Um, so thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's no, good. Good. I, no real follow up. So, so if I finish a year strong, it might be okay to keep it then. Strong is in. Yes. What does strong mean? <laughs> well, strong <laughs> means to me that you, you, you. It doesn't mean you had a profit even. It just means that your business has still got a future. It's making money, gross income. Maybe you've got a lot of expenses again in the second year. That's okay. It takes sometimes a couple of years to get that business off the ground. Now, if your sales went from 17000 down to 1700 and all of a sudden you, don't, you see a very dismal future for the business and you have no other business ideas, maybe kill it. Kill the escort. But if you made more than seventeen grand in income, there's expenses, you see a future, or maybe you've got another business idea. Let's change the freaking name of the escort. Let's keep it. Just change the name. Go turn the corner on another idea. So don't get rid of it. Yeah. So. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. You bet. Well, thank, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Stacy. Call it again. All right. Now we've got Lee in Midland, Texas, and Matt. I'm going to let you handle this one because I know Lee, a regular caller, uh, he's doing some IRA stuff. So I have a feeling this might be right up uh, Matt's alley, anyway. So Lee, what's going on? Hey. Mark, uh, I've got a noise for you first before I ask my question. Here's the noise. Okay. Did you recognize that? <laughs> well, someone's doing QuickBooks. Man, I just got hot and bothered, man. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Turn me on yeah. there. That little... Okay, that was pretty good, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I wow, love it. Good. Anybody listening that knows QuickBooks, that's music to my ears. I love it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Matt, um, if I have a LLC that's fully owned by the 401k, and mm-hmm. let's say that Joe Blow uh, goes in five uh, percent, the IRA or 401k does ninety five percent on buying a property. Can Joe mm-hmm. Blow manage the property? Yeah, absolutely. As long as Joe Blow is not your son or your dad or something. Correct. But yeah, right. he's just he's just regular Joe 
regular Joe Blow. Yeah. Okay. That was it. Absolutely. That was it. Easy peasy. Jeez, you know, look how long Mark took explaining, you know, answering that last person's question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, Lee. I like it. Um, Yeah, and that's just so everybody knows, too, you can have retirement accounts. Obviously, Lee's talking about a 401K, own an LLC, and Lee self-directs his 401K, at least you can tell from the question. And you can have partners in the LLC, and um, as long as they're not related in, in certain relations are restrictive, like, like spouses, parents, children. Um, we're cool with those partners being involved and managing stuff, getting salaries and things like that. When you have yourself or uh, your kids, your spouse, parents, those are restricted people. Um, they can't be managing the assets and making money or getting a salary or doing certain tasks that get into more services and physical work. Um, so there's just some restrictions in the retirement plan rules on that. And that was where that was the angle that Lee was getting to on the question, just to give some context for those that are like, you know, that went over your head. But hopefully that's helpful. Well, Lee, Lee thanks so much for calling in. We sure appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, all right. Sorry about the delay there. You're you're good. Good sport, Lee. Fun, fun. Thanks for that little QuickBooks joke. Okay, we're going to go to <laughs> and, and let me say this too. For everybody that's emailed questions in, our staff attorneys, we've got five amazing attorneys that work with Matt and I that really we're grateful they joined our firm. It's a big deal for a lawyer to join a firm. I mean, they're really hitching their wagon to your horse and your vision and your, your strategies. And we've got five amazing attor- attorneys, Jerem, Lee, Christy, Devin, Kevin. We just are so grateful they're here with us. Well, one thing that they kind of get bugged about is we have our radio show questions, and we can't get to all of them. So we assign three or four questions to our staff and go, hey, you staff attorneys, you help us answer these. So if you email us a question, you may get an answer from one of our attorneys. We're going to do our best to answer it as quickly as we can. We may write recommend a consultation if it's a really big, big question. But for those that emailed a question and you're frustrated we didn't get to it, please watch your email. Even the emails that are come in from a week or so ago uh, on other open forums, we'll get to them. Um, but we're going to hit our live callers while we've got you here. So we've got Gene in Seattle calling in. Uh, Gene, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Hey. How's it going? Thanks so much for calling in. Good, good. I'm headed yeah. to Seattle and so in three weeks, September 21st. Oh, I can't wait to get there. I have to catch you here. Yeah. For sure. Well, what what can we do you for? Um, I had a question. I'm uh, part of this called a non-government or non-covered government pension. And so the the um, it's kind of like a 401k, but um, they withhold Social Security taxes. And where the, the employer doesn't pay pay into the um, social security program with it, and um, the only way to get around it is to um, have a like 30 years of working income. So I was just curious if I could like set up an entity with my W-2 income to um, make it look like you know I've been paying into social security for the time that. I'm not um, paying into Social Security with the employer I'm with. Hmm. Ooh, boy, this is a tough one. I don't know. Um, 
I'm going to just come off the top of my head. Some of these questions, and we actually do pretty well most of our open forums. Uh, Matt may have a more intelligent answer, so I'm just going to go off the cuff here and um, say if you have not been paying into Social Security and you've got time, let's say you're maybe you're in your 50s at the latest, you may have a small business opportunity that you need to really pursue. And we want you to create some payroll for yourself or a Schedule C and at least get on the radar of the Social Security system. Now, there is a kind of a, mm-hmm. a law of diminishing returns, meaning if you pay in too much, you really end up with the same benefit. So you, you want to find that sweet spot, and, um, but you're not going to be able to convert a W-2 into small business income just to pay Social Security. You'll, you'll have to have some small business income. I even have clients that sometimes pay themselves out of their rental business, which normally you wouldn't do, but they do that in order to start a retirement account, create earned income, because they need it. They need earned income on the books for some reason. Other clients are trying okay. to get off the books of earned income. So that might be an idea. It's some business income. Matt, do you have anything? Yeah, that's a that's a problem. I mean, there's a there's a trade-off for that in the, you know, you're not paying into social security and that money's instead going to a pension that's supposedly a better deal than social security. So that should be a a, a pro ideally. I mean, that was the purpose of why they did those um and, and the structure you're in. I would just look at starting a separate small business on the side. I mean, I th- think that's the best way or you may have a spouse that's um paying into social security. Um, if you're you want kind of that certainty of Social Security, but um, yeah, I don't see any way to work with the existing W-2. Um, and and I think even if you were trying to send some of that money from a W-2 to a business to then pay yourself to take Social Security, frankly, the money you're going to send to Social Security, you, you might as well just save it. You know, that additional <laughs> money you're going to send in. Just go save it. Put it in a retirement account or put it in a savings account and otherwise invest it. It's going to get a better return than Social Security unless you live to like 110 or 120. And, you know, you kind of break the mold of where Social Security actually works in your favor. So I wouldn't stress too much about it in trying to engineer it as much. But know and plan that I'm not going to have Social Security. Hopefully my pension benefit is going to be good enough, and it should be if they're, you know, these structures usually are generous pensions. And if it's but if it's not, and you're already committed to putting more money away, if you were committed to sending more money to Social Security, then maybe just save that in another method. That's probably what I would do. Yeah, and um, Gene, I we're we're going to finish your call here. Um, thank you for calling in. Stay on the line, and we want to get one more caller in. And I'm just going to say one last thing for everybody listening. Social Security is actually actually a very strategic conversation. This is a chapter in my my book, Business Owner's Guide to Financial Freedom. There's a lot of misconceptions about Social Security. I should pay in so I can get as much as possible, or I don't want to pay in. I can invest it somewhere else, or I need to claim it as soon as I tune 59 and a half, or maybe it's better to wait before you start claiming it. And So there's a lot there, and we've had Randy Lubke on our show before who knows a lot about Social Security talk about some of the strategies that people don't even realize exist. So if any of you listening, here's the takeaway. If you're certainly 40 or older and you want to know what your benefits are and what your strategy is for Social Security, it's worth looking into. Read a little book on it. Listen to a couple webinars. Give Randy a call. Send us an email. But don't put your head in the sand. I think it's something people should be talking about more. 
Okay, we got Steve out in North Carolina. Um, Steve, welcome to the show. Well, thanks a lot. It's a warm day in Western North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Hopefully the hurricanes aren't, aren't coming down your path. That's oh, right. Yeah. We're far enough away in the mountains, so we don't have to worry about the uh, the hurricane. Okay. But, uh, hoping the people on the coast make it okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Oh, okay. Good. Man. Cool. Yeah. Well, the question well, that up? I had for you guys is uh, about uh, valuation of accounts, particularly Roth type accounts, and uh, that's the annual valuation. I'm wondering how important that is, particularly for a Roth 401k, and then if there's any different ramifications or rules when you're talking about valuing a Roth IRA. Since there's no tax consequences for that in the end, are there penalties if you don't do the valuation every year or if you get it wrong and are off by ways? Oh, my gosh. Great, great question. Great question. Yeah, yeah. So um, for anyone with a Roth IRA in particular, your IRA custodian is going to have to file what's called a 5498. That's what we do at Directed IRA for all of our IRA accounts. And we have to say, what's the value of this account on December 31st, the end of the year? Now, if you've had an IRA at Charles Schwab or you know a brokerage IRA, they just take the market value of your account easy peasy. They just report it. You don't even have to get involved. But when you have a self-directed account, you've got to kind of give some information to your custodian to say, hey, here's the real estate I got. It's worth X, or here's the company I'm invested in, or whatever. You, know, you kind of need to gather some information. Most custodians have a form like us, and you tell them what the value is. Um, you're right. There's no tax consequence to it when you have a Roth IRA already because – you know, it's just there's no tax consequence to it. You're not taking a distribution or anything. So even if you were, it's a Roth IRA. So it's really a reporting mechanism. The one reason why you should care, though, in the IRA context and in the Roth 401k context is when you're reporting value to the IRS, you want it to be a gradual adjustment in value. If you had a $100,000 Roth IRA and you never updated the value and it just stuck at that level for 10 years, and then all of a sudden you finally update it and you say it's worth $600,000 now, your account's going to jump in value one year, and that could flag you for an audit, either in a 401k if you have to file a 5500 on it where you're reporting value, um, or on a Roth IRA on your, on your um, 5498 that goes. So that's why you want to be actively involved and maybe update it just for your own benefit is so that you don't have large jumps that could potentially flag your account for an audit. But you're well, right. There's no okay. penalty except what your custodian may impose on you to, to kind of – hassle you to get that information because they need to update it, but there's no penalty from the IRS to you at least. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, gosh, great question. Um, and Matt, I like it. I, I really uh, think that's a, that's a good one. Um, I'm not going to comment further. It's in, I'm just leave it that. In the sake We're going to try to squeeze in one more question on my <laughs> yeah, the, this is good stuff. Steve, thank you so much for your call, by the way, too. We're, we're here at the last second, so I had to put you on mute here and try to hit one more question. This is Syria, uh, or Syria, and she says, I am a 50% over owner of an LLC that my partner and I used to fix and flip properties. We had no income last year. It was our first year and only expenses. Do we have to file a t for 2018, or can we just save the expenses for 2019 taxes? The LLC will have income due to a property sale in 2019, and I filed an extension, but now time is almost up. What to do? File only expenses for 2018 or save expenses to offset the income for 2019? Okay, we've only got a, about 30 seconds or so here left to say this. First, everybody, 
if you had an LLC last year with a partner, you've got to file the tax return. There are penalties that are two to $300 per month per owner. So first thing is, do not walk away from that LLC. File the return, and I'm glad you filed an extension. Number two, um, you have to use the expenses when they were incurred, and that's for cash basis taxpayers, which is going to generally be you. That's what you want to do. So, so file the expenses and then um, and put them on the return, and that's okay. It'll just that's the way it goes, and they'll you'll be able to use them on your personal return for last year, which will save you some money for your personal taxes for last year, or they will carry forward to this year on your 1040. But that's going to depend on your big picture. So file the return for last year, claim the expenses for last year, and then just deal with 2019 as it is. So thanks everybody for listening. Matt, you're awesome. I love you. I love everybody here. I'm just in a happy-go-lucky mood today. Thanks so. for listening to another <laughs> hour of refreshing strategy. So, as you should be, my friend. We'll, uh, American Dream. Yeah, thanks everybody. We'll see you next week for another show. Please share it with everyone and, and keep living the dream. Don't give up. Thanks. Dot com.